right, guys, we're in Lesson 8. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It's just 13 verses. But it's pretty, pretty 13 uh, pretty hard verses. But there's, I'm, I'm hoping there will be a lot of things we can talk about today because we're going to talk about sexual sin. Because uh, they had a problem. Now, they've had other problems. Okay, so we already know what their big problem was. Their big problem was they were fighting among themselves. And that was based on pride. You know, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Jesus. And, you know, so they were focused on that. But in this instance, you would think, what? Why in the world are they doing what they're doing? They're, they're fighting over who, who they're following, who's the better preacher or who's the better leader. But then when it comes to this particular sin... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, Paul obviously is upset with them. So we're going to look, first of all, let's look at first verses 1 to 8 of chapter 5. He's changing the subject now, getting away from this arrogance and ego of them being divided because of leaders. Look at what he says verse 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in the body, I am present in the spirit, and as if present, I've already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the leaven bread, unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. All right, so let's take a look at this. First of all, we're going to see there's a report. So obviously some news got back to him, all right? So Paul had heard a report that there was sexual immorality in their midst. So if you think about it, on one hand, they're fighting among themselves over what leader they're following. Who's the better leader? But then he's hearing a report that they've got sexual immorality in their midst. And not just any kind of sexual immorality. He states that the offense is beyond anything that would take place among unbelievers. Now, when you're reading this, you're probably thinking, ah, George, this happens all the time around here. No, no, what his point is, is the offense, think of them in their culture 2,000 years ago, even in their culture, it's not acceptable. So what he's reporting is is that what they're tolerating in their midst is something that their culture wouldn't tolerate. Now, that doesn't mean that our culture doesn't tolerate it today. It just means in his time, 
It's something beyond what they would even, the Gentiles would even tolerate in their culture. Okay? So what is it? The offense deals with a brother who is in an incestuous relationship with his stepmother. Sounds like something you read in a tabloid, right? But this was going on back then. That was not acceptable. So obviously his father, it could be a polygamous situation where the father has more than one wife. Think that's possible in that culture. And so the son is having an incestuous relationship with one of the other wives of his father. This is the heavy thing that's going on. And they are, well, it seems from what Paul is saying here, they're okay with it. They're like, it's okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Even you are like, man, I can't even believe that. It's shaking your head at that, okay? Yeah, well, that's what Paul's point is. So here's what he's saying. The Corinthians had proudly accepted the brother. They, they proudly had accepted him. They accepted the offender. Now, why do you think they did that? Because we see the same kind of thing today happening. You know, why, why did he do that? Yes, Lori. He's, it's, he's talking to the whole congregation. Our English you can be either plural or singular. Okay, so he's talking, when he's saying you here, he's not talking to an individual because he's writing the letter to the Corinthians. He's talking to the whole congregation. Now, that doesn't mean everybody in the congregation is accepting. It's that the majority, basically, as a, as a group, they've decided we're just going to accept this guy, okay? We're going to take him in. We're going to accept what he's doing. It's okay. Why do you think they're doing that? Okay. All right. Do you hear what Bruce is saying? How many of you agree with what Bruce is saying? Is that we want to be, because Jesus was accepting, we want to be accepting. We don't want to judge, because you do hear that, right? Have you, have you ever had somebody say, don't judge me? Usually it's somebody who is in sin, right? Doing something. And when you go talk to them in a loving manner, well, don't judge me. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's interesting you could take folks to this passage. Paul obviously is judging them. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's getting ready to say something that's pretty harsh. And, but the, the thinking is, okay, because would everybody agree with this statement that Jesus takes you no matter what? Okay? Jesus takes you no matter what, right? Okay. So can you take that to an extreme, though? Are you thinking they're taking it to an extreme? Yeah, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? There is forgiveness, but he's going to point out there's a greater issue. There's a greater issue here at stake. And this is why he wants them to deal with it. Because we have a tendency to think in terms of just individuals. Paul's thinking of a greater issue. And we'll see what the greater issue is here in a moment, okay? 
So, so here's the point. So he is, Paul states, that they should have mourned and dealt with the brothers. So he's saying two things here. Number one, they should have mourned. What do you think he means by that? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So, Bruce, so, so, but we need to make sure because you said they were upset because there's two types of getting upset. There's the upset where you're grieving, but then there's also the upset where you can be. Yes. They should be embarrassed rather than uh, be, yeah, like, I'm going to, we're going to judge this guy. We're going to take him out or whatever. Okay, so I just make sure we want to qualify that because if you say you get upset, well, there's a whole lot of people that get upset today, but they're upset for the wrong reasons. Okay, so the reality is, is he's saying you should be mourning, you should be grieving. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? So like every once in a while, I'll hear of a brother or, or a sister that I know in Christ, and, and I'll hear that they've done something, and... I grieve for them. I go through a grieving process. Now, the grieving process takes many stages. If you understand grief, there's the mourning, but there's also sometimes anger. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, why, why are they doing that? Do you know what I'm saying? And, and he's saying, you know, with this situation, you need to, what? Grieve for them that they're, they've caught themselves up in this kind of sin. Because it is a sin. It's a sin that in their culture wasn't accepted. He's basically said that. The Gentiles don't even do this. They're not even doing this. So you need to, rather than be proud that, look at us, we're expressing the love of Jesus, you mourn. You grieve. But it's not just that they mourn. They want, he wants them to what with the brother? Yeah, address it. He wants them to address the issue. Now, that is hard, right? We don't like confrontation. I don't know anybody here that likes confrontation. Usually somebody that's running for confrontation, I, I've got questions because normal, our, normal, our normal stance is I really don't want to talk to people about their stuff. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? That's even true for me. I, I don't like that. And, and usually... I'll be honest with you, most of the stuff that God tells me to do, I don't want to do because sometimes it involves dealing with people with their stuff. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Dealing with people with the things in their life that they need to adjust. And I'd rather, I'd rather just be happy rather than enter into a circumstance where I've got to drop the hammer in a loving way, you know? But he's telling us, what? Mourn, grieve for them, and what? Deal with them. Now, how do we do that, George? Well, I think if you want to, you can write this down. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Tells us how we're to deal with people who are in sin. Well, let me read it to you. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. 
So again, it's talking about the whole purpose of confrontation is what, folks? Restoration. But here's what it says. Keep watch on yourself, though. Okay, you got to watch out for yourself. Why? Lest you, too, be tempted. So you got to help, you got to deal with him, but you got to keep watch on yourself. And that's going to come out here as we get further into this passage. There's a reason why you have to go and deal with him. There is a reason why you have to talk to him or her, okay? So let's go on. Here's some instructions that he gives. Or rather, he's going, to, he's going to express, first of all, that he's passed judgment. Being absent, Paul has already passed judgment on the brother. Well, you say, well, he doesn't know all of the situation. He doesn't need to know all of the situation. He's heard enough to know that what's going on is wrong, and they've got to do something about it. You know what I'm saying? They've got to do something about it. Because what the guy's doing isn't even acceptable in their culture that they live in. So they need to do something about it, okay? They need to go through the process. So what's the process? Okay, so here it is. Here's some instructions. First of all, Paul tells the church to gather for the purpose of dealing with the offender. So this is something he's saying here that they as a congregation need to do together. They, as a group of people, now when, when you think about their church, I want you to think differently than a building and an organization like we have today. Go back 2,000 years, probably meeting in a household, probably somebody there had, had enough wealth to have a house where people could come together and meet, but they're all gathered there together, and they among themselves now have to deal with this brother. Do you understand what I'm saying? They, as the, the congregation, the church, that local representation there in Corinth, need to deal with this brother. He's telling them to gather for the purpose of addressing this issue. This issue has to be addressed. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, why? Why do they need to address it publicly? Because it's serious, and he's going to explain why here in a moment. Okay, so gather together. The offender is to be cast out of the church, delivered to Satan. Now, when I read that, how many of you thought that was pretty harsh? Um, no, it doesn't. Now, I'll explain to you why. The reason why it doesn't is because of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18. Okay? Matthew chapter 18, if a brother is in sin, what am I supposed to do? Anybody know Matthew 18? Okay, Matthew 18, I'm to go to my brother and what? Address the issue with him. If the brother doesn't want to address the issue, what do I do then? Matthew 18. Take two or three with you as a witness to deal with it. Now, if he doesn't want to deal with it anymore, what do I do? Take it to the congregation. So Paul is saying at this point, it's to go to the congregation. And what are they to do? They're to deliver him to Satan. Now, I want you to understand. I want you to remove yourself. I know we just had October and, and all of the streaming services were, were, were filled with horror movies and, and spiritual stuff that you see on TV and everything. Just forget all that. That's not what he's talking about here. What do you think he means, deliver him to Satan? What do you think that means? Okay, let, let them make their choice. Okay, that's good. All right. Anybody else want to add to that? What do you think it means when he says deliver him to Satan? 
All right, give him over to his earthly sins. Okay, that's good. That's, that's really adding on to what John just said. Anybody else? How many of you need me to help you? Okay, look, Bruce, you look like you're pondering a thought. Okay, yes, that, that fits with everything else was said. Okay, so here's what I want you to think. First of all, who's the God of this world? Satan. Satan. So when you have somebody who's in a congregation, he's in a congregation that is the body of the Lord Christ, right? We are the body of Jesus, all right? So when you cast them out, you're basically, just like what everybody else said, you're basically saying, you're, you're out of here. You go do what you want to do. And like Bruce said, you face the consequences of that on your own. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? You face the consequence. You deliver him over for in hopes of what? That he comes to an end to himself. And that they're ultimately, because it's not the salvation of his body that we're concerned about, it's the salvation of his spirit. Because a lot of times when you allow them to Go to, and we, don't we say that? They need to come to the end to themselves. They need to hit bottom. Don't we say that with folks that we know that are in drugs or in alcohol or something? We have to say they have to come to an end to themselves. They have to hit bottom before they wake up, come to the, well, it's kind of like the prodigal, right? Remember the prodigal? He asked his dad for his inheritance, and, which is kind of like saying, I wish you were dead, dad. Then he goes off and he, he spends it on whatever and he ends up what? A, a Jewish boy tending pigs. And not just tending them, but he doesn't need to get any food from his employer. He's got to eat what the pigs are eating. And then it says that he came to his what? Senses. You know what I'm saying? And then he realizes that he needs to go back. Do, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? So, so Paul is saying the offender is to be cast out of the church. Wasn't that harsh, George? Isn't that terrible? Isn't that what we think sometimes? It's like, oh my goodness, we're supposed to be loving and accepting. Isn't that harsh that we would do that? You know, we, we should be accepting of people, loving of Jesus would. No, 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 no. Really? Which Jesus are you talking about? Are you talking about the Jesus who, with folks who should know better, he's the religious? What was he normally like with them? Very hard with them, right? Because they should know better. All right? And so this guy should know better. So he's saying, give him over. All right, so what else does he say here? Let's go on. The purpose is the redemption of the brother. Now let me explain something to you. I, we talked about this before. When it comes to the issue of discipline, when it comes to the issue of dealing with somebody, our purpose isn't destruction of them. The purpose is redemption, to restore them to what? The relationship with Christ, to where they need to be. That's always the issue in the Scripture. Now, is that abuse today? Yeah, you better believe it. And I've witnessed the abuse. You have witnessed the abuse through the years of what can take place in a church because they approach it with the wrong attitude. 
They approach it from the standpoint of the humiliating or whatever. This is not the issue. The issue is you want to restore them. And that's why he's saying rather they need to what? Instead of being arrogant and prideful, they need to be what? Mournful. Grieving for the brother or sister. Okay, here we go. The purpose of all church discipline is restoration. That's the point here. The purpose is restoration, okay? And so then I gave you the passage there, Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Now, here's the rebuke. He's going to rebuke them, and then we'll, we'll get on to some other issues concerning this issue. Verse 6 through 8. First of all, he rebukes them for their pride and ignorance. They were prideful. They thought they were doing good by accepting him. Maybe he'll just turn because he's with us and, and, and do what's right. And, and he said, yeah, but the problem is, is you're also ignorant. You're ignorant of the greater issue. There's a greater issue here. What is it? Well, the slight presence of sin affects the whole. Now, he's using the illustration of leaven. Now, that's the Bible word. What, anybody know what leaven is? Yeast. So, okay, so, you know, my daughter came back from Canada. She's been living with Lori and I until she makes her next decision of what she's doing. She's working as a freelance writer and stuff. But one of the benefits of Maddie being home, okay, is she bakes. You know, and she spent three months in Switzerland at Labrie, and, and they, she learned lots of new types of breads. And I, I don't say anything. I'm just like, go ahead, do what you got to do. Just share. You know what I'm saying? I like little leaven in the lump. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, uh, but it's not good when the leaven you're talking about is sin. And the lump is what? The church. So when you begin to tolerate a sin in a church, it what? Spreads. It does. And you guys know that from, from experience. Because it's real easy to go to a church and you can figure out after a little bit what the sin is. What do you mean? Well, haven't you been in some churches where the sin is gossip? And that's what people do there? So sometimes if we don't address things, it affects all of us. That's the point he's making here, okay? That's the point he's making here. So slight presence of sin affects the whole. They are to purge themselves of the presence of sin. Now, when you when he says purge them, I don't want you to think like we got a like we had a mouse here recently in our house. Okay, of course, winter came, and so all life ends until you kill that mouse, right? Okay, so we got our sticky traps out or whatever, and we got them, and I got to, I took care of them. Okay, but it's kind of like ah, we got to get rid of it. No, that's not what he's talking about. Don't have an attitude like we got to do everything we can. Again, remember, the getting rid of it is for a purpose. The purpose is not just getting rid of the sin, but remember, couple that with what he's already talked about, restoration. But the problem is you've got to deal with it. You've got to address it. Because it will spread. 
okay, will spread. So this would be reflective of their relationship with Christ. Because, by the way, guys, does Jesus turn a blind eye to your stuff in your own life? And doesn't the Holy Spirit convict us continually about our own things? So therefore, we need to what? Deal, deal with the sin, right? Address it in a loving way. Talk to them about it. Now, does that mean they're going to respond right? No. That's why when you say, okay, well, then folks, maybe you need to go until you're ready to come back. Yes, and that's the proper thing. Yes, and we're going to see, actually, I'm hoping that the next letter we'll do after this is 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about the brother who does come back. Only this time, they had an attitude towards him who came back. (laughs) And he's got to teach them, okay, be forgiving now. Okay? Be forgiving. All right, so let's go on. They were to maintain their purity as a reflection of their salvation. This is the reality for you and I. We have to maintain our purity as a reflection of our salvation. we got to be the, be the kind of people. I'm not talking about a legalistic sense. I'm talking about just in a sense that you need to be moving in the right direction in your life. Okay? Now, Paul, okay, wait a minute. We're into chapter, let me read these last few verses. We're into chapter, verse 9 through 13. Here's what he says. Look at what he says here. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. So he's telling you, don't hang out with people who are sexually immoral. But listen to what he says. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world. Whoa, can I read that again? Not at all meaning the sexual immoral of this world, or the greedy, or the swindlers, or the idolaters, since you would need to go out of the world. But I'm writing you to not associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality, or greed, or idolatry, or reveler, or drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with the judging outsiders? He's talking about outside the church. What, what do I have to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Now, this is going to be interesting because... Actually, when I was reading this, I thought, man, think about our culture, how worked up we are about our culture. But listen to what Jesus is saying here. So, okay, so they ought to maintain their purity as a reflection of their salvation. First of all, he refers to past instructions concerning the issue of sexual morality. So in the past, when he was with them, he told them, don't hang out with sexually immoral people. All right, yeah, we're like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. Now, but he's going to define it a little bit more here. He is not referring to unbelievers. Since you would need to leave the planet. 
So by the way, what is our, what is our culture's perspective on sexual immorality? Immorality, what do they think? What does the culture think? There is no sexual immorality. And would you say that's a pretty prevalent viewpoint in our culture? Okay. All right, so as far as our culture is concerned, it ain't a big deal. You're the, you're the problem because of you. Okay, so he's saying, so if you're going to associate with, basically we would have to live in cloistered communities and not deal with anybody. Right? Okay. So he's referring to the one who calls himself a Christian. He's saying if you're going to separate yourself from sexual immorality, it's not from everybody else in the world because that's where the culture is. You need to separate yourself from the person, the brother or the sister who calls himself a believer in Jesus Christ who's engaged in it. That's what he's saying. He's getting specific here. Okay, he's getting specific. Now, why? We're, we're not to judge the unbeliever, but those who call themselves believers. And, and I understand that. Okay? Why do I understand that? Because first of all, when you talk about people in the culture who are not Christians, who are sinning, it's not my job to judge them. Why? Does anybody know why it's not my job? It's God's, yes, but why is it only God's? Okay, Lori? Yeah, Laurie said, of course they're going to be living in sin and doing sin because they're what? Unbelievers. What needs to change in their life to get them to stop? They need to come to Jesus, right? It's only with Jesus that you have the ability to break the power of sin in your life. To say no. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when I look, am I disheartened by what I see in culture? Yes. But then that should make me what? Pray more that the gospel goes out, that people get saved. Because unless they get saved, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You can dress a pig up, but it's still a what? A pig. A good-looking pig, yes. A clean pig. Do, do you understand? But it's still going to want to head to the what? The mud hole, Yes. And eat what it eats. I don't even want to consider what a pig eats. Okay. So the point is, we're not to judge unbelievers, but we're called to deal with believers. So God is the one who judges unbelievers. And we know that, right? God is the one who calls everybody into account. That's the reality. So he tells the Corinthian church to deal with the offender. Why? Because the offender says he's a believer. And because he's a believer, he's not doing right. So they're called to deal with him. Okay, so that's chapter 5. 